It's powerful. It's strong. It's here. So drink deeply. <laughs> All right. Kids can be dismissed to Kids Church. Um, thank you so much, everybody who has your hands and feet and voice in the ministry today. There are too many to, to count. <laughs> so just thank you. You know who you are. And even behind the scenes and during the week, too. Thank you so much. All right. Well, where do I begin? You know, I, uh, I took speech in college, and that was my, one of my favorite classes. I know that's shocking. <laughs> um, <laughs> stop laughing, Jeff. <laughs> and, you know, I loved it. And I, I found it easy to craft a speech so that then when I came here, am I, I feel like I'm really loud. Am I too loud? Is it, okay, just raise your, just do like this if I'm too loud and then I'll, I'll know. Uh, so then it, it's, you know, it's God is just, there's a lot of grace on me and it's the Lord that just will drop a sermon into my heart each week and then you know, the Holy Spirit connects with whatever natural ability and enjoyment I have to craft a sermon, which, if we're not careful, we can do that completely without God and have a speech. And, and I love that. I, I love, I enjoy that. I like, I like titles. I like three points. I like an introduction and a conclusion. And so, as I usually do, I did that yesterday. And... Um, you know, it just, usually I, I get up here and it's like, I'm feeling it. Whatever word the Lord has given me, I'm feeling it. And I'm able to preach from, from what I'm feeling and, and from my heart and passion. I just wasn't there. This great sermon, man. It was a good one. <laughs> and I, I just, I wasn't feeling it. And so even here on the way this morning, I'm not even kidding you, like a, a half a mile from church I took Dave's hand and I said, will you please pray for me? Because I have no idea what I'm saying today. But the Lord does. So let's just, are you ready to soar with me? Like, we're supposed to soar. We're supposed to be eagles, not turkeys scratching around. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm done with that. God is preparing us for something huge. And... We have to learn to soar on the wings of the Spirit. We have to be led by the Spirit. You know, um, we have to be very okay with not the way we've always done it. We can't. We, we have to be okay with that. And so um, I'm just going to share with you what came to my heart this morning as I was having my coffee. 1 Corinthians. By the way, I, I'm going to title this because I still like titles. In spite of all that, of course, my title this morning is The Unsermon. <laughs> so, 1 Corinthians. Mm, let's pray. Father God, we have our very limited perspective. We actually have no idea what you're up to. But Lord, we want to know. Sometimes we think we know, and sometimes, yes, you do clue us in, but God, your ways are so much higher than our ways, your thoughts than our thoughts. So, Lord, this morning we ask you for the grace to set aside our will, 
our thoughts, our ways, to set that all aside, Lord, would you open our ears and open our hearts to hear what you are saying. We will not be led by emotion, by feeling, by opinion, by preconceived ideas, by history. We will be led by the Holy Spirit. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Paul wrote this letter to the church of Corinth. And man, they were a hot mess. They were a bed of corruption from one end to the other. They were known for that. There was a notorious proverb to really let someone know they were a really nasty sinner. You would say, you've been Corinthianized. The city was known for gross sexual immorality, idolatry, divisive philosophies, A thousand professional prostitutes served in the temple. I mean, that's when it's really bad. And then all this mess crept into the church. And so as we move into the book of Corinthians, Paul deals with the issues in the church, but he doesn't start there. He starts by letting us know how he approached the Corinthians and their sinful, sorry state. How did he approach them? And we need to pay close attention to this because I know how I would approach them. Hey, I love a good conversation, a good philosophical conversation. I love skillful debate. I love research. I know exactly how I would have addressed their tendency to worship Aphrodite, Venus, their chief deity, the goddess of licentious love. Oh, I could apologize my way through that. I mean, being an apologist, that's what I mean. I could seek to defend why they should not do that. <clears throat> but Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, let's read those words starting with verse 1. He's reminding the Corinthians of how he first approached them. <clears throat> when they were without Christ. So this is a reminder. And it's a, a lesson for us. I believe it's wisdom for us because we are, spiritually speaking, at this point in history, man, I'm, if you haven't noticed, it's like the world is turning into a big Corinth. <laughs> you know, I mean, there's every, every manner of corruption and evil and deceit. And, and everybody's saying that. That's not just not one select group saying that. I'm hearing that all over the place. So how does Paul deal with that? 1 Corinthians 2, verse 1. And I, brethren, when I came to you, that is, when I first came to you, I did not come with excellence of speech. Ooh, I'm... Busted. Not that I think I have excellence of speech, but I sure love trying. I love the challenge. And, you know, of course, there are, there are real, actually excellent speakers out there. But Paul says, when I came to you, I did not come with excellence of speech 
or of wisdom declaring to you the testimony of God. The Greek is the mystery of God. He said, I didn't come to you with excellence of speech. I had no notes, no script, no plan. Corinthians, when I first came to you, I came with an unsermon, shaking in my boots, relying on the power of the Holy Spirit. Verse 2, he says, for I determined, this is why, for I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I'm going to read that again. I determined not to know or pretend to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. See, what is it that we talk about, that we converse about, that we discuss? The things we think we know. Whatever we know, whatever we think we know will come out. And that is how we approach people. Paul is saying, I determined not to know anything. And he knew a lot. This guy was smart. Paul was very educated and intelligent. He was, he was the intellectual of the apostles. And he said, when I came to you, Corinthians, I determined within myself that the only thing I was going to speak to you was the only thing that matters. And it was Jesus Christ and him crucified. And then he says this in verse 3. I was with you in weakness, in fear, and in much trembling. That's comforting. Do you ever fear, feel weakness, fear, and much trembling when you're engaging with Corinth? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I was with you in weakness and fear and in much trembling, and my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom. I have found that when I think my persuasive words of human wisdom and all my research, just when I think my persuasive words are going to be the thing, gets them and makes the light come on. I have found over and over again, oh, I was so wrong. <laughs> I was so wrong. Because they've got their persuasive words and their human wisdom. So Paul said, I didn't bring that to you. My speech and my persuasive words, uh, my preaching was not persuasive words of human wisdom. Actually, Human is not even in the original text. He just says wisdom. In other words, it wasn't my own wisdom that I brought to you, my own ability to argue and discuss and reason. This is very, very important to me because I love that stuff. Paul says that's not what I brought to you. My speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. I believe, 
as I know you do, at least some of you, there's this awareness that's increasing everywhere that God is going to shake the things that can be shaken all over the place. Revival is coming. It's already started. If you ask my husband, it's already started. This great in-gathering that is spoken of often in Scripture. And this is a whole other sermon, but if we're not careful, we're going to miss it because of persuasive words of human wisdom. That will make you miss it. But I read this, and I read these words, and Paul's speech became a demonstration of the Spirit and of power. And that's what we need. That's what I want. And that's what you need. We need a demonstration of the Holy Spirit and his power. We need it right here in this place, but we need it every day in our lives when we engage, when we go, when we, when we engage with the world. We need to stop and leave off with the persuasive words of human wisdom, and we need to step into a demonstration of the Holy Spirit and power that can only accompany a humility that, yes, might make us fear and tremble because we know we don't have it in our own strength. But what did Jesus say? My strength is made perfect through your weakness. You know what I'm doing right now? In the natural, you could say, I'm with, I, am, I am standing before you in weakness, in fear, and in much trembling. But you know what? That's okay. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because I'm relying on the Holy Spirit to demonstrate his power. And I don't know how that's going to look or when it's going to come. I just know that's what we need. It's what we need. And if we want that, I can only know and preach Jesus Christ and him crucified. In other words, everything ultimately must go back to that. That's our only hope. That is our only hope. It can't even be a religion that appreciates that. Because to a lot of people, that's a really nice theme. It's a really nice idea. It's a pattern for living, this idea that I should lay down my life for my enemies. But Jesus didn't come to bring us an idea. He didn't come and say, find the path like Buddha did. Jesus said, no, I'm the path. I'm the path. Jesus didn't come and say, I'm going to show you the way. No, Jesus said, I am the way. I am the way. I am the path. And that has to be our message. Jesus Christ and him crucified and all that that means. Because if we do that, if that is our, our core, our message, there will be a, a demonstration of the spirit and power because God connects with that. The Holy Spirit connects with that. Jesus said, my words, they are spirit and they are life. He goes on to say in verse 5, so that your faith, <clears throat> your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. 
see, if our faith were really in the power of God, more than in the wisdom of men, it shouldn't matter who's up here. There are too many people picking out a church based on who's up here because their faith is in the wisdom of men. But our faith needs to be in the power of God because God can speak through every single one of you sitting here. And when he does, when you yield to him and open your mouth and know nothing except Jesus Christ and him crucified, and even if you're in weakness and fear and trembling, guess what? God actually would, I would be my guess that God would actually demonstrate his, his spirit and his power through one of you and not me. I wouldn't put it past him. From the very least, the very youngest to the very oldest. Because it's all about the Spirit. It's all about a demonstration of the Holy Spirit and power. It's not about persuasive words of human wisdom. Verse 6 says, however, we speak wisdom among those who are mature. Yet not the wisdom of this age, nor of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. Do you hear that? The rulers of this age, every single one of them, are coming to nothing. God just uses people. He uses rulers, good ones and bad ones. He will use them to accomplish his purposes, and then he's done, and they are coming to nothing. So that's why we cannot rely on the wisdom of this age or the rulers of this age. They're not it. They are not our salvation. Verse 7 says, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God ordained, that is God predetermined before the ages for our glory, for our glory. Verse 8, which none of the rulers of this age knew. For had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. And they're still crucifying the Lord of glory because they don't know him, the rulers of this age. But God has appointed and ordained and predetermined that you and I should speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, this hidden wisdom. He ordained it for our glory because what does that mean? He glorifies himself through us as we yield to him and trust him for a demonstration of the spirit and power. Verse 9. I just like, I'm talking, I don't know where I'm going, but it's okay, God does. Verse 9, but as it is written, I has not seen, this is a quote from uh, Isaiah 64. He's quoting the prophet Isaiah in 64. As it is written, I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. You read that and it sounds like, wow, okay. God has prepared some pretty cool things for me. I love him, but I've never heard or seen it. It's never entered into the heart of man. It's a, I have no idea what it is, but there's a but. Verse 10 says, but 
God has revealed them to us through his spirit. For the spirit, that is the Holy Spirit of God, searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. Did you hear that? The spirit of God is the only one who knows the things of God. Just as you are the only one who truly knows yourself unlike anybody else, no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. But this next verse is pretty amazing. Verse 12, now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. If you want to know the things that have been freely given to you by God, get the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Ask him for it. He is simply the invisible presence of God on the earth, and he wants to fill you. He wants to fill you so that your life can be one big demonstration of the Holy Spirit's power, one after another. Wouldn't that be amazing? Verse 13 These things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, there that is again, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. Have you noticed that? Have you noticed that the natural man, often the person you are trying to persuade with words of human wisdom cannot receive it and they sound like foolishness to him that's why we've got to stop that and we've got to go with the power of the holy spirit we speak when he speaks and we only know jesus christ and him crucified because that's where the power is The the natural man does not receive the things of the spirit of god for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. See, we try to use human reasoning to give something to someone that cannot even be discerned that way, that is only spiritually discerned. But he who is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? And hear this, but we have the mind of Christ. We have the mind of Christ. I'm going to be short today, I think, and then we're going to receive communion. John 6. John 6, 41. John 6, 41. Then the Jews complained about him because he said, I am the bread which came down from heaven. See, people are very much okay with a Jesus that says, I can feed you bread. But when Jesus starts saying, oh, I am the bread, 
I am the bread. That's a problem for the natural mind, for human reasoning. And it's an offense. We'll, we'll save it. Okay. Thank you, Susan. Um, go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. Um, hmm. Well, let's, let's read this. That's okay. That's maybe. Let's read and see what Jesus said. I think Jesus answers that here. But um, the Jews complained about him in verse 41 because he said, I am the bread which came down from heaven. And they said, is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How is it then that he says, I have come down from heaven? Jesus therefore answered and said to them, Do not murmur among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. That is so, 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 so important. Because you can even have, you can even preach the cross, Jesus and him crucified. You can do that. You can even have a demonstration of the spirit and power. And unless the Lord is drawing someone, they won't even be moved by that. So ultimately, we need to pray, God, draw me and draw this person to you. So don't get discouraged when your preaching of the cross is rejected. You just keep on keeping on. Go with the power of the Holy Spirit and keep praying, Father, draw this person. Draw them, Lord, draw them. Guess what? It's not up to you and me to draw someone. Isn't that comforting? Isn't that a relief? That's a, that's a big relief. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up at the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they shall all be taught by God. Therefore, everyone who has heard and learned from the Father, everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father except he who is from God. He has seen the Father. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me has everlasting life. And here it goes. This was the offending moment where they start to lose it. Verse 48, Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Not I've come to give you some metaphorical nourishment for your soul. No, I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and are dead. See, the manna, remember, was a miracle. That was supernatural. That was the supernatural provision. And he's saying, look, just because it's a miracle, just because it's supernatural, just because it even comes from, from God, it's just a provision for you. It's a blessing for you. But it's not me. That's what Jesus is saying here. What's, what am I seeing? Oh, it's a light bulb. Okay. Someone can turn that off if it's very annoying. I'll try to ignore it. Uh, 
uh, your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and are dead. This bread, which comes down from heaven, oh, I'm telling you, this is so, this is, the, this is the message the world needs. This is the message of Jesus crucified right here. Listen to this. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and are dead. People have this mistaken belief that just because something is miraculous and supernatural and from the divine, it's going to give them life. Jesus is saying, they're dead. They're dead. It sustained their soul temporarily. It sustained their bodies temporarily. But guess what? They died. They still died. And every single avenue that people pursue that they think is God, and they may even call it bread, but they're dead. Jesus said, no, I am the bread. I am actually the bread. And that's not all he said. Verse 50, this is the bread which comes down from heaven that one may eat of it and not die. You want eternal life? Jesus is saying, I'm the bread. I'm the bread that you have to eat if you want to not die spiritually. That is not taste the second death, the, an eternal separation from God for all of eternity. That's what the Bible speaks of as the second death. Jesus is talking about a spiritual death here. Verse 51, I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And here it is. And the bread that I shall give is my flesh, which I shall give for the life of the world. Whoever eats it, whoever receives it, it's available. He made provision. Oh, this was so bothersome. Verse 52, the Jews therefore quarreled among themselves, saying, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? That's why Paul said the message of the cross is foolishness and offensive. It's offensive to the Jews, to the religious people, because I don't need to eat. I'm good, thank you. I'm good. I'm already good. It's foolishness to the Greeks. That's, you know, those who rely on human wisdom. It's foolishness. And that's what they're hearing here. These Jews, they're, they're the offended ones hearing this. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I give is my flesh, which I shall give for the life of the world. The Jews quarreled, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? Then Jesus said to him, to them, John 6, 53, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Can you imagine how that sounded to them? Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. You notice the present and the future going on right there. Has eternal life right now, and I will raise him up at the last day. Listen, eternal life begins right now. The moment you say, yes, I need you, God. I need you. I recognize you are my sustenance, and only you. Then Jesus said to them, uh, let's see, verse 55, for my flesh is food indeed. The Greek rendering is true food, and my blood is true drink indeed. He who eats my flesh 
and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. As the living Father sent me, now here he's going to show us how this works. He's, listen very carefully to this. As the, as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father. Jesus is saying, in the same way that I have to feed off the nourishment of my Father's love, in the same way that I can only live this life on earth, because through the Father, so he who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread which came down from heaven, not as your fathers ate the manna and are dead. He who eats this bread will live forever. These things he said in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. Interesting item to note, Jesus taught in the synagogue. The synagogue was good enough for Jesus with all its ridiculous rules and regulations. It's good enough for me. I will teach in the synagogue. I'll teach wherever Jesus puts me. There's a place for the synagogue. There's a purpose for this. That's just an aside. Therefore, many of his disciples, verse 60, when they heard this, and by synagogue, by the way, I mean church, the local church institution, the building. It was good enough for Jesus. It's, it's okay for me. Okay, verse 60. Therefore, many of his disciples, when they heard this, said, this is a hard saying. Who can understand it? When Jesus knew in himself that his disciples complained about this, he said to them, does this offend you? What then if you should see the Son of Man ascend where he was before? It's the Spirit who gives life. See, this is why it has to be a demonstration of the Spirit and power and not our own words of human reasoning. It's the Spirit who gives life. The words that I speak to you are Spirit and they are life. That's the flesh, the bread, Jesus' flesh. It's the word, it's his word. But there are some of you who do not believe. I'm going to skip down to verse 66. It's interesting. Note, this is John 6, 66. John 6, 66 says, From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. They were offended at this idea that our only way to live, our only sustenance, our only nourishment, our very spiritual survival is Jesus Christ and him crucified, his flesh and his blood. And what does that mean? What does that mean? How do we feed on that? This is how we feed on that. Lord, I need you. I need you. Please speak to me. Your words are life. This is not, these are ink on page, yes, but, but breathe through this. Feed me. That's how we live. That's how we live. And it's not just the pages. Sometimes it's without the pages, but it's always listening. Lord, speak to me. I need you. I need you. Then Jesus said to the 12, verse 67, do you also want to go away? But Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And what does it say in John 1? The word became flesh 
and dwelt among us. He has the words and he is the word. He's the word that we need. He's our manna. He's our bread. Also, we have come to believe and know that you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Amen. Father God, would you pray with me? Father God, we want that demonstration of the Spirit and power. It's what we need. It's what we need. Lord, would you forgive us? Would you forgive your church? Would you forgive me for thinking, for having the foolish thought that my persuasive words of human wisdom could ever ever make someone's spirit come alive from the dead. How foolish, how foolish. Lord, may we know nothing among the Corinthians than Jesus Christ and him crucified. May that be our message. And Lord, even though we may be weak and in fear and trembling, I thank you that you are strong. Lord, I pray that we would start stepping out of the boat, jumping out of the plane. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would take over our lips, but first take over our heart, God, where we've got off wrong, where we've been off track, Lord. Correct us, oh God. We humble ourselves before you. It's all about you, Jesus. You are the bread. You're the life. You're the way. You're the truth. Where else are we going to go? Only you have the words of life. So, Lord, we thank you and we praise you that in spite of, actually even because of, because you love to work through human vessels of clay, you are going to work and move powerfully in this place. And it's going to have nothing to do with any of us and everything to do with the power of the Holy Spirit. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would start giving words of life to the people sitting here. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would start releasing sermons that are from heaven, bread of life. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus that the manna from heaven would start raining down on this place. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus that different ones sitting here would begin to stand up here and preach the word. And just like the manna in the wilderness, we would say, whoa, what is that? Oh, it's bread from heaven. Let it be so, Lord, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. So, yes, we repent from our, for, for our persuasive words of human wisdom that are dead and fruitless and actually have produced bad fruit. We repent, Lord. Oh God, may we know nothing except Jesus Christ and him crucified so that we can hold out that word of life everywhere we go. 
In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. We're just going to receive communion. I'm going to have Levi and Barry come and distribute those elements. Uh, Jeff, would, um, would you, yes, actually, could I call the band up and could we sing, could we go out of here with that song, Lead Me to the Cross? Would that be okay? I'm totally putting the band members on the spot. I'm sorry, not sorry, but thank you. So <laughs> I <laughs> neglected to tell them because I actually didn't know. <laughs> but God knew. Thank you. Remember, uh, only peel back the top clear cellophane layer first. Thanks so much, guys. I don't know what happened to Ruth, but that's okay. That is okay. First Corinthians eleven twenty three. Could you dim those lights, Dave? Thank you. Lead me to the cross. Let's sing it together. Lead me to the cross where your love poured out. Bring me to my knees, Lord, I lay me down. Rid me of myself, I belong to you. Lead me. Lead me to the cross. I'm just going to read 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 11, 23, and then we will partake together. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, you guys can keep playing, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and said, take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's partake together. First Corinthians 11.25 says, In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death 
till he comes. Let's drink together. Lord, we thank you for your body that was broken for us, for your blood that was shed for us. You invite us to feast on you daily, to, to take your words into ourself for life, for everlasting life. We have done that by coming to your table of remembrance today through this this bread and this drink, but Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus that this would be our daily bread, this word, your words, would be our daily bread. Lord, that just as we have, we have um, fed and we have drunk of the cup and the bread here, Lord, naturally, Lord, I pray that every day we would feast on your word. We would drink from the river of life, Lord. We would apply your cleansing blood to our lives every single day. Lord, I pray that every day for us would be communion with you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Let's stand and sing that as uh, before we're dismissed. Let's just sing that song together as a closing song.
Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. God is good. You may be dismissed.